I was desperate, you know, at the time I was 17, 18, unemployed, you know, and I was desperate to, you know, to get a break. And I knew that if I did get a try, I would, you know, I would grab the chance. I think it was always going to be boxing. The minute I stepped into the gym as a 10 or 11 year old, boxing just took hold of my heart straight away. I love everything about the sport of boxing. Hello, I'm Marie Crow, and this is We Become Heroes, the Orshi sport podcast that explores how these athletes and sports people reach the top of their game and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm delighted to say that my guest today is Waterford hurling legend Paul Flynn. Paul, first of all, how are you? How's life? Good, Marie. Thanks. Uh, not too bad at all. Yeah. Um, happy after yesterday, I suppose. Uh, Waterford, I suppose they won ugly, if that's if that's the term we can use, but uh, at least they have an early win in the bag and uh, I think those two points will be very valuable mm. for the rest of the championship but yeah all good yeah it really will so like we're the day after Easter how are you feeling about championship and underway uh, I wouldn't I, I don't like it to be honest Marie. Um it was kind of a weird feeling Easter Sunday cold wet miserable no, it can be that way too in May and June I know but um, it, it's, it, it's going to be a hard one I think even the All-Ireland in July you know, the rest of the summer, August, September. Um, sure, we see how it pans out, but uh, if Waterford win it, it'll be the best championship ever. Um, that's it, really, isn't it? It's if they're out early or if any county are out early, then you'll really lament a long summer ahead. But if you're there in the latter stages and you've plenty of time to celebrate and then into a club championship, it won't be so bad. So, like, let's have a quick chat about Waterford. What's impressing you about this team? Uh, well, the current, I suppose, it's Lean Cahill's, you know, uh, third year there, I think, isn't it? And I suppose he's kind of getting the players to to play the way he wants. I suppose it, t- it takes a while. Um, he's discovered a couple of new players. That they seem to have more options than ever before. That if someone comes in, the team isn't isn't being weakened. Uh, the lads who come on know their job, and uh, they bring, I suppose, an extra bit of pace and power to the play later on in the game but I think yesterday like I mean that yesterday typified I suppose in years gone by that was a game that Watford may not have won um, started very sluggishly but um, I suppose found their way into the game and then I suppose when Austin Gleeson and Jamie Barron came on at half time they really upped the energy part of it and, and um, the score won 6 without reply and the turnaround the 4 point deficit within 3 minutes of the restart I think that's obviously where Waterford got their hands on the win, but I think Tipperary will be disappointed. And they had some poor wides towards the end of the game that, you know, Tipper in transition, you know, I think, are they really, you know, this is the tip that's going forward. So I think the fact that I know they've lost, obviously, the, the Warriors, Brenda Maher and uh, Project Maher, but it's, um, you know, Tipper, Tipper never a bad team. So, you know, if someone takes their foot off the gas and they think that Tip is in transition, I think they'll get a, a nice fright. So afterwards, um, Liam Gall spoke about the weight of expectation that is now on Waterford and made the point that look they haven't won anything yet which is um, which is a key point really and uh, you know the way people are talking about them it's where they'd already won the Liam McCarthy but you know he, he mentioned that it's really hard to protect the lads from that like how difficult is it going to be to manage the pressure that comes with that expectation now as the season goes on Yeah uh, like yeah, Saturday you know I was going to a match and was listening to the, the, the RT uh, sports show and, and like they were all picking Waterford as the story of the summer and you know I was saying to myself bloody hell like Limerick haven't okay they had a disappointing league but 
I think that was nearly intentional. I think Limerick have come out even stronger, uh, more powerful, even more, even more bigger. So looking at them yesterday. So I think, yeah, Waterford win the league, people will have their eyes on them. But I think as the Munster Championship progresses, uh, it will become very evident that Limerick are still the team to beat and the focus will switch away from Waterford a bit onto Limerick. Uh, I know they play next weekend, so depending what happens there, but um, like people seem to forget, like Limerick beat Waterford last year by 11 points in the semi-final, and um, while Waterford have strengthened their panel, there's no question about that, Like, but the, the Limerick 15 are just, um, they show up every day, you know, they just haven't, they've had one bad day in about four years, the year they lost to Kilkenny in the semi-final, and um, you know, they, they are the benchmark. So while everyone would like to see Waterford win the All-Ireland, I'm sure, um, there's no one in Limerick that are just going to leave that happen. Yeah, and I think watching them yesterday, it was really clear that during the league they were probably training really, really hard and were getting ready to attack the championship. And you could see it all coming together yesterday, all the hard work that they had done when they were looking Absolutely. a little bit lethargic or a little bit maybe off the pace yeah. because... I'd say they were they were working hard in the in the during the week when we weren't seeing them. And there's a team also uh, in, in in Leinster called Kilkenny that are love, <laughs> love all this chat of Munster. It. it goes on every year, like Munster <laughs> Championship and Munster, Munster, Munster. And meanwhile, you know, you'll you'll find Kilkenny in an Ireland semi-final nice and quietly. And you know, they they've had a decent league. He's they've unearthed a few players. Um TJ will be back. And so, like I mean, all this talk of Munster hurling kind of suits Kilkenny as well of course it does um, well I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot then so when the All-Ireland final does come in August or is it July I can't even remember <laughs> at this stage July um, I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> who will be walking the steps of the Hogan oh hopefully Conor Prunty obviously from a water point of view but you know being 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 realistic um, some, are, some are going to have to beat Limerick um, and even you know beating Limerick in the semi-final then you know, you're not doing yourself any favours, but I would think Limerick are, are clear favours to, to carry out and go to three in a row. Um, you know, Galway, Galway, Waterford, um, you know, I think Clare are gone very quiet. You know, they're they're waiting to to, to start their, their campaign at the weekend. Tony Kelly being back. So, look, I, mean, I, it's, I think if Limerick weren't as strong as they were, it could be anybody, but I, I honestly think Limerick are the, are the team to beat. Yeah, I think I agree with you as well. Okay, let's get into your career career then. So um what was your earliest what is your earliest memory of sport? Oh I, I suppose like my dad played for Wadford in the 70s. Um and I suppose he, he played on goal, so his his career was I suppose prolonged in, in Club Hurling back back in the day. And I suppose my earliest memories has been um being at club training in Bally Gunner when back in the day, like when Valley Gunner had no pitch. You know, they used to train in St. Pat's Park, which was a soccer pitch, belonged to De La Salle College, and then they'd get a field off a farmer. Next season, they'd be in a different field. And so um, the castle field then became a home. Uh, it's only over the road. So it was kind of the first pitch that Valley Gunner had. Still only an end of the field, but it was kind of a, a pitch. And we had a bell container for our dressing rooms. So um, I suppose going, going training with my dad when I was three, four, five years of age and I suppose going around collecting slitters or nine people for stuff. And, <laughs> but um and then that matches, I suppose, trying to get in under the wire to get into the pitch. And so I suppose that, that you know the Ballygunner were intermediate at the time and um they lost a couple of intermediate finals in the early eighties and eventually winning the 
centenary final 84 so they came up senior and have been senior since obviously so um, yeah that'd be my earliest memories I suppose and then I suppose watch a match today trying to stay up late to watch a match today as a three or four or five year old so um, but hurling hurling would have been my first my first memory yeah. Who were your heroes then when you were growing up like did you have posters oh. on the wall and if so who were they? Oh yeah um, I suppose Joe Cooney from Galway was someone I I, I always watched and, and got to and got to admire. Um, I suppose back then, I suppose the Munster final wasn't even on telly. The only hurling matches on telly were the All Ireland semi final, uh, finals, and then the final. So you had three hurling matches on telly. That was kind of it. Um, so Galway would play either Munster champions or Leinster champions every every second year. So you were kind of looking at the same players, the Cork players mainly, Cork, Galway, and Kilkenny. So. Uh, John Fenton and Joe Cooney would have been the two hurlers that I would have um, just liked watching I, I, and kind of I suppose when you're in the garden then after a match or trying to Malaysia, whoever and they were the two so that was kind of that's kind of where DeGraw kind of I suppose for taking line balls or freeze or stuff like that trying to emulate uh, I suppose how John Fenton did it Did you was there other sports did you play other sports? I did I, I did uh, not not till not like I got about 10. Ballygunner was out in the country at that stage. And like school holidays was just hitting the ball against the wall or, or that type of thing. So when you got kind of opened up into secondary school in De La Salle College, I started playing Gaelic football and soccer, a bit of soccer. So um, Bowes would be the local club, well, one of the clubs in Waterford City and uh, started playing with those under 12, I think it was. And um, got lucky enough then to play a bit of Kendy Cup, which was kind of like under 14, inter-league uh, competitions and we got to the All-Ireland final and played Cork before the 1989 Cup final in Dalymount. Dave Barry was playing for Cork City, Pat Morley and um, yeah, just that was a whole new experience. Like I'd played in Welsh Park and Hurland and stuff like that but to play in a, a proper soccer ground like with a crowd, first time playing in front of a crowd playing soccer but uh, that was enjoyable. So yes, I turned a lot to soccer then between the ages of 13 to 17 and uh, played a nice bit of it but then kind of realised that it was going nowhere so stuck to the hurling then. <laughs> like how did you realise it was going nowhere because clearly you were you were decent if you were playing Kennedy Cup level like that's one yeah. of the best in county. Yeah well I, I ended up playing school by under 15 and 16 as well and maybe I suppose I was across channel a bit with Aston Villa and when it didn't work out there um, you know you kind of realised that uh you know, came back home, played one season League of Ireland, but didn't didn't push it on. And Hurling was always there, and um, being a Hurling house, and you know, soccer soccer was enjoyable. I loved playing it. I must say, it was it was very very enjoyable. But um, I was kind of splitting my time between both. And in the end, sure, you know yourself when 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 matches collide, even when they do with kids nowadays, like I mean, they do cho- choose which one they, they favour. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose the Waterford Minor Hurling team came. That year then as well, so um, just went just went with the hurling. Yeah, it was You're so casual about it. You're just uh, like, oh, I had a bit of time over in Aston Villa, played a bit of League of Ireland. Like that's a good achievement in itself. Yeah, but I, I was a goalkeeper, you see, but I was too small. So, um, like I mean, at the time in England, a couple of matches I did play. Like I remember training with Nigel Spink and whoever else, Les Seeley was there, and like these guys were six foot four, six foot three, and big men. And like here's me or whatever five nine five ten on my toes, it just wasn't gonna, just wasn't gonna wash. And uh, 
you know, it's kind of it's kind of something I did then once I realized that if I wasn't going to get better and better and better and better and better at it, I just pulled the plug on it. And um that's kind of you know I've no regrets over because it, yeah. it was out of my it was out of my hands to be honest with me you know you, you wouldn't have been picked and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have got any further and you'd end up being heartbroken over in Birmingham. <laughs> Is that was it purely because a height thing? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, I, at the start, yes. Like, I mean, if I was definitely if I was like say six foot three, I would have got a better shot at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have you know it, you might have prolonged yourself as well. You could have been caught in yourself more, but. Uh, oh, it is definitely like I mean when you see, like I can't name any goalkeeper for you that's under six foot. Like Shay Given was six foot, six foot one. He would probably be the only one. The rest of them are are, are, are like basketball players. Yeah, yeah. big men. Yeah. So when you decided then to to focus on hurling, like I assume that when you were playing soccer, you'd been tipping away anyway. Like you were you were straight into it then full tilt. Yeah, uh, played Dean Ryan Harty Cup. Uh, with De La Salle College, we we had a six, we had a five year cycle, so we had no transition year, and so we were kind of young, we were a young Hearty Cup team, so we were kind of like sixteen and a half, seventeen, whereas the schools like Flannans, uh, Coleman's, yeah, they had your six year cycle, so we were while well, we had a good pick in Waterford City and South Kilkenny, um, we were just too young. And you know it's it's quite evident when a, a six sixteen and a half year old is marking like a, an eighteen and a half year old. Um, we got to two semi finals, but uh, again, just pure strength. We were weren't big enough, so that that was kind of um, we we kind of that stopped us. And Flannans went on to win. I think Coleman definitely won one. Flannans won the other, and we never so we never got to play Kieran's or anything in, in a. We did win challenge match, but not not in that in serious. But yeah, so the the Heartland like obviously played with the club under 14 didn't make the Tony Forreston team under 14 too small um, played played one year minor for Waterford and four years under 21 so it's amazing how things can change when you yeah. get to 6 17 so yeah the small thing is coming up a little quite a bit that's <laughs> a bit of a theme like yeah. is it was that hard to deal with when you're young and you're trying to make it and you know it like it's we're trying to make it in a couple of different sports well not make it but you know is yeah. it trying to reach your potential in different sports and you're you're being challenged by well, something that's out of your control I suppose the hardest thing about it is you can't get the ball that's kind of the hardest thing um, uh, only last week I was at an under 15 Gaelic football match but our lads are all under 14 and they're playing in the under 15B just to get experience in that but when you see the difference even a year makes in size and power and strength like I mean when you're out in the field you're probably naive to it and you're thinking oh I'll do my best and, but you just just can't they're faster they're bigger they're more powerful and even more so now because lads are even training harder younger so um, back then I suppose we, we just had the numbers in Ballygunner we were it was a small place um, so you would play nearly under 14 15, 16, 17 you could play four years out of your age group where they've done that done away with that now rightly so I suppose but mm-hmm. um, no I suppose at the time I didn't realise that it was small but it was <laughs> <laughs> now it was yeah so when did you realise you had talent then for sport? Um, I suppose when you started getting picked on candy cups and say Tony Farsell panels or you know or you're asked to go to a county trial or whatever that type of thing um 
you know. Um, but you just go with it, right? You just go with it. You know, I don't think you realise at some stage, um, Jesus, I'm, I'm good or I'm bad or whatever. But I suppose if, if, if you are playing and you're, and you're being picked regularly and you happen to be the one that's a leader, not a leader, but you're, 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 you're you know, you're in the game and you're prominent and, you know, maybe the manager wants you to do more because you're, you are, you have a little bit extra than others, that type of thing. But I suppose you just go with it. And I suppose when you're, when you're with your friends, um, they wouldn't be long, yeah, bringing you back to size if you, if you did think, yes, you're getting too big for your boots. So when you were, when you were growing up and, and you know, trying your hand at the hurling and the soccer, what did you have to work on most? Like, what were the things that you practiced most in your game? Um, good question. I suppose practice is the word. Like, I mean, I, I kind of saw hurling as something that you could get better and better and better at um, with the ball and stick. And I think that's a lot of it is boring repetition, you know. Um, I suppose a lot of drills training these, these days are, are drill based and they're kind of um, not methodical or mechanical but they're they're not game kind of situations whereas I think when you go training as a group you should be game situations but if you practice alone that's where you get your technique and, and your first touch and your left and right and catching the ball and that, that that's all achievable on your own in an alley or against the wall so I spent hours and hours at a pure boredom, boredom really, really, at this side of town, summer holidays, evenings, just tennis ball against the wall. That was that was my practice. Tennis ball? Tennis ball. Well, that's all we had. Slitters were only for training. Okay. You know, if you lost a, if you lost a slitter in the ditch or something at home training, you know. Although Dad used to train the, the juvenile teams as well, so there would be a bag of slitters there, but... He'd have them counted and he'd know if there was one or two missing. All, all accounted for. God, different times. Yeah, yeah. unreal. <laughs> and what about the from the soccer point of view then? Like, would you have spent, was there things that you worked on regularly or, or areas of your game that you tried to improve? Yeah, well, I, Bose, the club, uh, had a very good premier team. Um, so I would have been training with those even when I was 14, 15, 16. Uh, goalkeeping training I suppose was different than obviously the outfield stuff uh, for me for me I, I, I was never the loudest on goal believe it or not like I mean I, I, communication is such a big part of soccer of all sports but particularly soccer and when you're on goal you can see see what's happening in front of you and I suppose to advise advise the players what's happening or the dangers but I kind of struggled with that with the talking part of it um, so how do you practice talking? I suppose, but we used to we used to kind of um, do a lot of again. Just when you look back at it now, it was probably silly training compared to what the methods they, they use nowadays. And um, you know, you have the ladders and you have your the quick feet. And Bristol was being being on your toes was a lot was a huge part of goalkeeping, and um, just being ready to spring off your feet if a shot did happen. And we used to do a lot of that stuff. But I suppose that kind of helped me in hurling in ways as well then to have a maybe you know a bit of speed off the mark type of thing so you know you try anything really really to get an extra inch or an extra advantage than anybody but back in the day I think it was training was just pure flog the horse rather than technical stuff yeah I know it's so different it is it is like running laps like I haven't seen a team run a lap in (laughs) in years like you know yeah yeah 
such sports science, I guess, look, it's developed and moved on so, so much. Um, so was there a moment when you thought, look, maybe I could give this a go from a hurling perspective that I could actually go on and be a, a senior hurler at inter-county level? Uh, well, after playing minor for, for the county, I suppose, you're hoping you're going to get picked under 21 and progress like that. Um, and as it happened, I got picked the year I was minor as well. The Waterford under 21 team was having a good run and they brought me in halfway through the season and I ended up playing the All-Ireland final whenever it was late September. So I suppose when that happened, you know, we won the All-Ireland under 21, you'd be thinking, oh, well, in two years' time, we'll have a go at the senior next year or whatever. So, and that didn't work out that way. But I suppose my, from, my, from my own point of view, when that happened, I kind of said, yeah, well, look, if I keep myself some way right, I, I will get called into the senior panel. And I did um, in 1993. Yeah. So... I suppose from then on it was more or less try and improve your game. Like you're still, I was still only 19 or whatever. So trying to get stronger or, or look after yourself because hurling back then was more, a bit more physical. You know, you stayed in your position more. So you weren't moving around as much. You were, you were more of a target. You could, you were sitting duck really, um, <laughs> you know. And uh, some of the cornerbacks back in the day were, they weren't exactly accommodating to let you, you know, have your own way. So it was kind of like, you have to learn how to play first, learn how to protect yourself and then learn how to start winning your own ball. And um, that took a while. And I, I remember we played Kilkenny in a challenge match in 93, the really good Kilkenny team. And I was marking Eddie O'Connor, who was a fantastic cornerback. And Bill Hennessy was wing back and Liam Simpson and Pat Dwyer, big, you know, serious experienced campaigners. And anything you got off them, you earned it. And only winning the ball was the easy part. It's trying to move move with the ball or even get a shot off was just so hard and that was an eye-opener so um but it's a good way to learn you know if things are easy you, you might you, you'd um you might take your eye off the ball a bit but you know playing against such players and um just realizing that you know see any level of adult sport is tough but to play against you know the top earners in ireland would be something that's it's going to be really tough and it was who was the toughest then Oh, geez. Uh, oh, there was loads. You know, I can name Steve McDonough, Wayne Sherlock, Willie O'Connor, Eddie O'Connor, Brian Lone, Frank Lone, <laughs> Bernard Ryan. Who else do you want? Jeez, it's, tough. it's tough. In, um, Dawn Flood. It, there's so many of them, like so many of those. Yeah. Anyone in the full back line there, like they're warriors by nature, really. Like, yeah. So. It's such a, I suppose, as you said, like you're not in your position as much anymore. Everyone moves around so much. So you don't really get those yeah. intense one-on-one -on -one battles that we used to get years yeah. ago, which were fascinating in themselves. So, um, which is a bit of a pity, actually, because those duels were always, <coughs> well, I mean, they're brilliant. Good to, to look at. Good to look <laughs> yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, look, it, it, that's the way it is. It may go back that way in time, but, you know, if you drifted out past the 45, you'd be told to go back in and, you might be coming out for a break. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, they're all great players, you know, um, super players. Um, but that's it, you know, her, like, I mean, hurling, hurling like watch, watching the match yesterday, the Limerick and Cork game, and, you know, there's plenty of guys there that 
young lads are obviously looking up to and, and wish trying to emulate after the matches. So no matter what kind of way it's played, um, Hurland does have this certain kind of romantic um, attraction to it. And I suppose the fact that it's uniquely Irish and it's tribal, it's parochial, that, you know, people will just keep, you know, keep going to it and supporting it. And, keep, you know, there won't be a shortage of young lads in Limerick or Waterford wanting to play for Waterford. So that's, that's the good thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. Would you like to be playing nowadays? How do you think you'd fare? Um, well, I was told yesterday by about 40 people that I wouldn't cut it. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm told that at least once a week. You wouldn't like to be doing the training or you wouldn't run or not. So, but look, that's the way it is. I can't answer that question. Would I like to be playing? No, I wouldn't. I'm happy to be finished. Um, spent whatever, the best part of 30 years between club and county hurling. So um had we had like we had our time you know, enjoyed every bit of it um but no I, I i'm happy enough i don't think you know th- things move on and there's other things going on and um i like watching it i like watching uh i don't like watching the shorts passing stuff i have to be honest uh i find that very hard to to get my head around and um but when you see when you see good players in at full flight that's the that's the drive. It's like Noel McGrath yesterday, just being clever, you know, things like that. Uh, the pass he gave in to Jason Ford, and I know it's a great save by Sean O'Brien, but things like that would would make you go to matches. You know, Joe Canning, I suppose, loved watching him for ten years or more. Uh, Tony Kelly, you now is coming back, watching him. Austin Gleeson, Stephen Bennett, you know. So uh, TJ Reid, probably the best of them all. Yeah, you know, I'd go anywhere to watch. TJ Reid play so no but uh, delighted to you know have played and I have enjoy, had enjoyed it but no I, I don't have any growth to, I don't miss it no so when you think back on your career what's the biggest setback that you had to overcome um oh jeez uh, the biggest problem we faced I suppose as a team in Waterford was we had to bridge a gap Waterford hadn't won the Munster Championship in the Munster Minor Championship in 45 years. We won the Munster Minor Championship. They never won an under 21. We won an under 21. And then the senior Waterford hadn't won a Munster Championship since 63, I think. And we won it in 2002. We haven't won an All Ireland since 59. We still haven't won one. So there was always a gap. Mm. And I think when we, when we did win the Munster Championship in 02, it was kind of celebrated like it was the All-Ireland and that cost us it definitely cost us because with a seven week wait to see who we were playing in the semi-final it ended up being Clare who would come through to qualifying and um, they beat us in the semi-final and all of a sudden you're going what just happened there so I think as a team for me that's anytime we won anything it was kind of celebrated a bit more than it should have been like I mean if they won Monster Championship in Cork to do we just put aside and they'd be concentrating on their their semi final or final so that that for me would be the the one thing that if, if we were going at it again that um, how do you deal with it the earlier success is better because I think if we had won in All Ireland in ninety eight or ninety nine around that time I think we could have won a few yeah you know. I, I, I would think though this by now lessons are learned from everybody like as in even societally and, and culturally 
the country is a little bit different now and I don't think that you'd even be allowed and maybe that's because things like social media are there now as well so it's not like you can yeah. go a week or anything like that you know what I mean yeah. I was thinking about that this morning that um, if Twitter was around when we were playing my god <laughs> you know you'd be paranoid walking around I'd imagine <laughs> yeah you just can't do anything anymore like you know so i'd say you get your one night and then it's like you know yeah. you can't, uh, go off somewhere for a few days or anything like that back in the back in the good old days um, maybe the boat the boat over just the boat over the holly head or something <laughs> you'd be, you'd be, who did i see sean dyche that was it i saw there's pictures of sean dyche going around on social media so obviously he, now totally harmless but you know he lost the job in Burnley and then he went out yeah. and he got out in the beer for a couple of days but you're everyone that sees him is going in for the selfie so yeah. every movement since Friday has now been um is now been posted on Twitter so he, he can't even get a minute to I'd say process what's happened uh when you think about your career as well who do you think had the biggest impact on it uh oh my dad without doubt um you know we we talk we wouldn't talk a lot not tactically or anything, but he, you know, he 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 was full of advice for particularly underage, I suppose. You know, um, and when you look back, it was just pure common sense. You know, like if the cornerback gets it, you know, he's only going to hit it forty yards. Make just t- make a dart for the sideline; it's going to land there. You know, things like that early on, and you know, um, he was a good coach. So, but it was all common sense. You know, to what's, he kept me very. Um, if I played poorly, he, he had a nice way of saying it, like you know. But um, if I played well, he he wouldn't mention it either. So you know, he'd he'd always pick something maybe that you could improve on, or, and um, and even up to my adult days, playing playing for Waterford or playing whatever, and even playing soccer, he became an expert in soccer as well. When was, but um, yeah, no, he just had advice, and it was common sense, and it was you know leave your leave your hurling and do the talking, leave your soccer, whatever, don't get involved and um, things like that. And obviously there were days you, you couldn't ignore, you had to get involved or whatever, but it was, yeah, yeah that, that to be fair. And it was, you know, more the chats, the chats I used to have with him more so than anything else, but everyone has that type of f- figure. I'm sure he'd be a coach or a friend or a brother or a sister, but, um, you know, to have my father, I suppose I went to every match with him. Uh, he used to go to even if Clare were playing tip or Cork were playing tip in the, in the Munster Championship back in the 80s there was four or five of them used to go and I used to be trying into the booth of the, of the Volkswagen estate and off we, off we go so I, I grew up going to Munster Championship matches you know got the bug early and, and um, you know it was unfortunately for us back then with the knockout system it was only one game a year like for Waterford most years but um, you'd still, you know, you'd still have that bit of pride when you see the, I suppose, the old retro jerseys going around now with, with, the, with the three stripes. <laughs> but yeah, no, from that point of view, I had, you know, obviously then, um, Gerald McCarthy came into Waterford. Jim Green was a very good coach at minor level. Um, Peter Power under 21. And when Gerald McCarthy came into Waterford in 96, I think, um, the physical side of training got, I suppose, heavier, better, and we got stronger and fitter. So I suppose you'd learn a lot from the way Gerald uh, spoke to teams, spoke to players, and treated treated players. So I would have, have him up there very highly as well. But I suppose the main the main character was my father, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a, a lovely way of life, isn't it? Just going off, going to matches. 
I was the same and it just yeah. feels like it was so simple it was just such a simple time you know this time of the year you're going to be going off to matches on yeah. the and looking forward to it yeah looking absolutely to it and you get out of the car and then you wouldn't well, I, there were seven of us and you wouldn't see your dad until yeah make sure that you're back in the car with a minute or two to go just in case yeah and that was about it, it was try to dodge the try to dodge the egg and onion sandwiches <laughs> and, the, and the horrible tea out of the flask <laughs> orange yeah um what about performances so is there one performance that stands out in your mind has been you played like the hurler you always wanted to be oh um I don't know that's for other people I think Marita kind of decides um I I, I, lo- I love being part of the water team I played with um I think the two monster finals um three we won but um oh two the first one everyone everyone kind of put their shoulders to the wheel that day um, 07 was good 04 uh, personally like I, I I suppose I fond memories of certain matches and, and not so fond of other matches but from to say which performance I mean that I'd, I'd leave other people judge that but um, I said for me it was just like even watching some of them, my teammates getting scores you know as I said earlier you'd be you'd be in the corner more and you'd see the ball flying over the bar like going Kelly and mm-hmm. Dan and Ken, you know, in particular, I suppose, and, and to see Dan going up in full flight or on Kelly taking on guys, it was just, I'd rather, you know, say that to, I'd, I'd rather, I, as a team, I suppose, we we played Clare one day, would you believe, in the Munster Championship, I don't know what year it was, 04, 05, and I'd say that was probably the best match we played. Um, I think Dan got a hat-trick, but everyone kind of, everyone played well and, you know, it kind of put us on the road because we're beating the league final the week before. So I think as a team, that was a very important performance. But individually, I don't know if other people can decide. What do you think is um, has been your greatest success then? Oh, um, playing for so long, I suppose, really. Played for what? Played for whatever, 16, 17 years. Um, was I stupid? Probably. But... Um, <laughs> Um that was yeah, uh that was it. I suppose having having started as a an 18-year-old and, and got to 34 and um was part of a very good Ballygunner club team as well. Um during that time we won eight county championships. So we lost probably as many as we won, but still we got a nice a nice haul out of it. And um, you know, we won a monster championship. So to be part of a good, good, good club team and a good county team, I suppose, was probably what I'd be happiest about. Yeah, well, you're an awful lot luckier than most people because to even be True. able to say yeah. that is, uh, it's pretty, pretty sweet. Yeah. So, um, in terms of legacy, I know people find it really hard as well to answer this question. That's why I ask it. Like, what do you think your legacy will be? Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, I don't, like, again, as you know, it is a hard one. Um, legacy, um, I suppose... A lot of people say to me, you didn't train that hard, so that could be legacy. But <laughs> I, my answer to that is that I practiced. I didn't, I practiced hard and trained with the team. Um, I like, I mean, <laughs> why did you, le- you get that tag, by the way? A couple of lads in the club were just slagging <laughs> like you. They hated me say, like, I mean, we had we had an easy out, I suppose, back then, if you were training with the, your club team and you were on the county panel. And there was a bit of um, running done at the end. You could always say, I oh, look, we're training tomorrow night with the county. And you mightn't do the running. And I might have pulled that trick, I suppose, once or twice too often. But uh, I think that's where that came from. Um, 
yeah so it's a hard one to answer like I mean but um, I hope I hope the team that we played on uh, inspired a few of the current lads I suppose that's kind of what what you like I mean if they if they were the young lad that I was going to the match with their parents and they saw they saw Waterford win a monster. I, I never saw Waterford win a monster championship. So I suppose I hope that we give a bit of hope to the the young lads that went to the the matches when we were playing. That they saw Waterford being competitive and successful in terms of winning monster and the league and whatever it was. Uh, um, so I hope we we uh, in some fashion uh, help them get better. Pretty good legacy as well. Uh, what's next for you then? I know you're doing a little bit of coaching. Is it something that you see as part of your future? Uh, I, I enjoy. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. Um, I I, I, re- I do enjoy it. I, I enjoy, enjoy the crack with the obviously with the players. Um, the last two years have been very hard on players as well. With no dressing room scenario, mm. where a lot of the spirit and camaraderie and slagging and whatever goes on, you know, the dressing room environment is an important one for a team. So, you know, lads coming on and bikes already tugged out and going away and, you know, there's not much interaction. So the dressing room is coming back into play now, slowly but surely, and I think teams will be the better of it. So uh, for me, yeah, um, hopefully uh, get more involved in the underage structure in Ballygun in the next year or two and um, see where that goes. Yeah, so... It's, it is good fun. I, I do like to coach them, to be fair. And um, the matches are the hardest part because you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're even anxious a couple of days before a match. But um, yeah, so I can imagine what it's like, you know, at, at the highest level. Like, I mean, coaching and managing. Like, I mean, that it would it, it would assume your life and take over your take over your your spare time. But um, you know, if if you have a grow for it and, and you and you feel that you have something to to add to it, it's worthwhile. So. Um, yes, yeah, so I'd be hoping maybe to to go a little bit heavier into that side of it. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I always think back to seeing the been been around for the era of hurling that you played in, and feel I was so privileged to witness yeah. so much of it because I think it was the best days of hurling that we've ever seen, and um, that I will ever see anyway. So, Paul, thanks a million, and thanks um, everyone as well for watching uh please like subscribe and leave a review